I'm someone who loves trying out different makeup looks, but doesn't really wear much on a daily basis, so I like to focus on making sure I have high quality staples. And whether you like a fresh face, full glam, or somewhere in between, you've probably seen Thrive Cosmetics Viral Tubing Mascara. I've certainly seen it everywhere, you know the one in the turquoise tube? So that mascara, along with all of Thrive Cosmetics beauty products, are certified 100% vegan and cruelty-free, which I look for in makeup, and they've got excellent quality to match. And something I didn't know from all the mascara videos I've seen is that for every product sold, Thrive Cosmetics donates either that same product, another product that is needed more, or a monetary donation. They've worked with over 500 nonprofits to help with a wide range of causes like supporting cancer survivors, people experiencing homelessness, education access, and so much more. Knowing that makes me feel even better about using their products. And I do enjoy using them. Like I said, I like having high quality staples, and so my favorites are products that are multi-purpose, like the Brilliant Eye Brightener. It comes in a bunch of colors, and I like using them as eyeliner, eyeshadow, and even highlighter. Thrive Cosmetics is luxury beauty that gives back. Right now, you can get an exclusive 20% off your first order at thrivecosmetics.com thrive. That's Thrive Cosmetics, C-A-U-S-E-M-E-T-I-C-S, dot com slash thrive for 20% off your first order. Contained herein are the heresies of Radolf Buntwine, erstwhile monk turned traveling medical investigator. Join me as I uncover the blasphemous truth of a plague-ridden world that ours is not a loving God and we are not its favored children. The Heresies of Radolf Buntwine, coming January 2nd, wherever podcasts are available. Good day, good people. My name is Brad King, and this is the Downtown Rider Jam podcast video series, which is a new thing that I'm trying out. So we've been doing two shows a week for about a year through the pandemic, and some of that's going to be changing because we're slowly getting back to normal life, and I would actually like to leave the house at some point. But books are still coming out, so we want to make sure that we're able to promote writers and the work that they're doing. And we're starting this series with Lucy Leitner, who goes to my gym, and I have wanted to have her on the program for a while, and she has a new book out um, this month, actually, called Outrage Level 10. She is a horror comedy writer, so I'm really looking forward to this kind of book. And we had a really interesting conversation about genre writing and about the ways in which um, that kind of stuff goes on. So she is uh, was a trained journalist. Like that was what she did in college um, and then immediately quit that, which was a very good decision on her part and what became a screenwriter and did some of that stuff briefly. And that informed a lot of what she did. So today on the program, we're gonna talk a little bit about the book. We're gonna talk a little bit about uh, the writing process and generally have a good time. So we'll be rolling these out uh, sort of as we do them. I've decided to not have a schedule with these. So you'll both be able to see the video series and I'll release these as shorts on the podcast as well. So you can join us on the YouTube channel you can listen to the audio wherever you listen to podcasts. And with that, here's my conversation with Lucy Lightner. Okay, so we are at the same gym. I did not know that you were a writer. And then I found out you were a writer. And I've been trying to, meaning to have you on a show for a while. Um, and then you, your second book just came out. Is that right? So when yeah, did it come out? The 19th. Uh, the 19th. 
Oh, so like it literally just came out. Just came out, yeah. And this is, tell me about it. It's Outrage Level 10. Yes. Um, it takes place in Pittsburgh in a dystopian future about uh, 20, 25 years into the future. In the year 25, 25 there has been a revolution in which um, the government is overthrown and the headquarters of the new regime have moved from DC to Pittsburgh. <laughs> and <laughs> because that is where the voice of the revolution is from. Mm -hmm. And um, the justice system has been replaced by basically Twitter. Um, it's called chatter in my world though. Um, and you, you report someone for what they've been doing and based on how everyone else feels about this, this offense, that person will be brought to the tribunal where they will be tried for their crimes and sentenced to a variety of punishments. Uh, it is in this world where our anti-hero Alex Malone um, is a cop. Now, of course, there are no, there's, the police have been drastically defunded and they have so they basically all they do is enforce parking tickets they check like liquor licenses and they all wear uniforms that are like left over from old sound stages and everything so you got like you know old west sheriffs and like you know old nypd uniforms from tv shows so they're a rather motley crew of police officers that don't really do much and um alex malone is a a uh, severely brain damaged ex-enforcer for the Pittsburgh Penguins. Um, so he has, you know, his fits of rage, he has um, memory lapses, severe headaches, and in experimental treatment, um, cures all this, except he starts having other people's memories. So um, that's the basic, the mystery of the book is he tries to figure out what these scenes of you know, ritual murder and torture are that are going on in his head. So where does that world building come from? <laughs> <laughs> came from a long time of thinking about it. I was going to say, like, this feels yeah. like lots of things that have been in your head for a long time. Yes, yes, <laughs> yes. <laughs> this all started back in uh, like 2013. Um, where some of the ideas came from. It's funny because it actually showed up like one element of the, the world is that, you know, um, taking away all these like intermediaries and, and everything else with, you know, overthrowing our current, you know, our, our current way of, of life um, has been these cures for everything. Like everything has been cured. So people have basically stopped dying, except the only thing that they haven't figured out how to cure is, is the brain. So um, that was the initial idea. And initially it was about like these almost bionic super, uh, like bionic senior citizens, like running around and terrorizing the world with, um, because, but they, their, their brains are completely atrophied because they're like, you know, 140 oh, years yeah. old. Yeah, so, so they're, you know, they're attacking, but they're, you know, usually if someone has like, you know, severe dementia or something, they're no danger to anyone. But in this case, because their bodies are, are very useful and capable. Um, that, that those were actually my that was like kind of the monsters, and then it totally changed, and that just became like a backdrop to yeah. the world. Yeah. I think these things happen when you write. Like it's never yeah. like I've interviewed I don't know 150 authors, and we sort of always joke like the book you start out to write is almost never the book that you write. Yes, completely. Yeah. 100%. My sister recently reminded me that the working title for this book, when I first told her about it, was Pop Pop Goes Pop. And <laughs> <laughs> and that changed along the way. Oh, yes, <laughs> drastically. So it's interesting because 
I'm like, I'm sort of fascinated by genre fiction, which I hate terminology, but like, um, particularly people that like, just get into like the guy I work for, his sister is one of those people that writes romance novels like once a month. Um, And like, that's her career now. Like she just, that's what she does. She turns that stuff out. And I love reading that stuff because I'm just fascinated by writers that get into a genre and like, just create things and go. And like, you're sort of in the horror comedy genre. Yeah. How do you get there? Um, it's what came naturally to me. Uh, actually, my first book, yeah, yeah, my first book that I like, I've been, I keep getting reminded about this. Like, I've been telling scary stories for my entire life, mostly because I have three younger siblings. And so I would, mostly my two younger sisters, my brother, I couldn't really scare that much, but I would, I would tell, um, yeah, I would tell my, my, my sisters these scary stories, um, to get out of sharing a room with them and, you know, things like that. So I just always, I've just always made up scary stories and it was and back in like maybe like 2007 2008 I had this idea for like a a zombie book set at a pharmaceutical company and I started writing it and and like my premise was like that zombies invade a corporate office and so and I started writing it like as a graphic novel and it was kind of serious and macabre and then that just was not working like it was just I mean the premise of it you can't make zombies in the office not funny it's ridiculous so and and I realized like when I was in college I did like nonfiction writing and my pieces that always did well were the ones that were funny and um same with what happened same with grad school everything and it's not and I just felt like it was something I should, it was my natural writing style. Like to me, that was, I can't do serious very well. It doesn't, it doesn't work. Well, and that's, you know, it's one of the things we talk about on the show all the time is like finding your voice. Like you really just can't write outside of your voice. Like I am just convinced that like, whatever that thing is, that's, I mean, you can try, but it all, like, if you're a reader, if you're a writer, you sort of can feel the contrived nature of what somebody's trying to do. Mm -hmm. Uh, And so getting into that space where you are like, oh, this is, what I do, you sort of get that group. And I think that happens in genre writing a lot, right? Like, you know what you do well, you know what your interests are, you know what you've done. And it's like, you can just, I'm assuming at this point, you can just kind of dial that up and get going. Yeah, 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 I can. And I I know what I, like, I don't write love stories, you know? (laughs) I I, like a romance novel would be like anathema to me. I would never be able to pull that off. Um, But like, you know, writing within the things like comedy, um, horror and like, like, like black comedy absurdist nice. kind of thing. And, um, and like more detective stuff that's that and blending all of them together is really where like, that's natural to me. If I was trying to write like some Gothic horror book or something that would, no. <laughs> would not but also like the other thing that I like about genre stuff is that you do get to, to mash things up and, <laughs> you know, sort of the big five publishing world there are slots you have to hit. And if you don't hit those, they're like, eh, it doesn't really have an audience. And you're like, well, it does. It's just not a million people, right? Mm-hmm. Like, it's going to be, like you said, it's going to be black comedy. It's going to be detective noir. There might be a zombie. And it's like, that's, you can't market that on a mass scale. Like that readership is a specific group of people. Oh, absolutely. And that's the stuff I gravitate toward anyway. Like, you know, I, I've seen Twin Peaks, you know, like, eight times watch the entire series all the way through like yeah. that's those are my things like I, I I like I like music like that I like tv shows I like books like that like yeah. it's and it's so it makes for me it makes total sense like I'm not expecting this to have like a you know super wide audience and I don't really want that anyway yeah I mean that's the thing right like I mean we talked a little bit about 
the podcast and like what we do here, like, I don't really want it to be gigantic because this is sort of, I want it to be the thing I want it to be, not the thing that it would need to be to reach a million people. Exactly. Exactly. (laughs) Nobody, I don't think anybody becomes a writer because they're like, help me get into the corporate structure of this. Like that's, that's you become a writer, you become a writer because you don't want to be a suit. Yeah. And like pants are optional. Are you ready to shop? Rakuten's Big Give Week is back. Get 15% back at hundreds of stores. And it's all happening this week, May 6th to May 13th. It's the perfect time to shop for everything on your list for spring and summer, like clothing, outdoor gear, and travel. I know I'm using this week to stock up on some warmer weather essentials at Ray-Ban and Ulta. And I love that Rakuten even helps me save on travel at sites like hotels.com. Rakuten really is the best way to shop. And you can save even more by stacking cash back on top of deals. Plus, during Big Give Week, that cash back is bigger than ever. With Rakuten, membership is free. And when you sign up and shop today, you get an extra 10% cash back boost. That's an extra 10% cash back on top of the 15% cash back. You won't see higher cash back rates than these. Go to Rakuten.com or download the Rakuten app. R-A-K-U-T-E-N. Shoppers get it. Hey there, this is Justin Bartha. I made a funny new podcast, King of the Egg Cream. It has the greatest cast in the history of podcasts with actors like Louis Black. I'm torn by my feelings for two women. Bobby Cannavale. You can eat it, or if someone hits you, you can put it on your cut. Melanie Linsky. I wonder what these marvelous things are that look just like boiled chicken feet. Jason Ritter. I can break things and pick locks and kill people. Michael Stuhlbarg. The whole point is to inspire people that they should make themselves better. Ari Grainer. No, don't whet its appetite. What are you, an idiot? Me, Justin Bartha. That's not just any egg cream, that's a Lemke's special. And all narrated by the hilarious Richard Kind. This is the story of Harry Dalowitz. And how he rose from nothing to become New York's King of the Egg Cream. So if you like funny true stories, come listen to King of the Egg Cream, available wherever you get your podcasts. Mm-hmm. You know, like, like, for my job, I can just close everything and sit down and I'm like, yep. perfect. Yep. <laughs> so outside, of, so because it's interesting because you started in journalism and then like immediately gave that up. Uh, yes. Good, good for you. Um, <laughs> And then transferred into into fiction. And like, for me, I can literally do no fiction. Like I am a nonfiction writer through and through. So how do you, how did you make that transition? Like, did you just try? Were you trained or were you just like, here's a story? Um, yeah, pretty much the latter. Here's a story. Yeah. <laughs> I, I have no training in fiction uh, whatsoever. I, I did, I was in creative nonfiction when I was at Pitt in college and that was tremendous um as a really 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 good program yeah yeah um and so that was big my training in fiction is actually from screenwriting um so i took i took screenwriting class when i was in in college with um carl kurlander who has like who's like one of the best professors I've ever had. And so I learned, I learned from him. Uh, he's one of the writers of St. Elmo's Fire. He wrote that with Joel Schumacher. So oh. he, yeah, very, very, you know, it, very, very good person to learn from. Yeah. Um, and so he, uh, so I took, I took his class. I actually wound up making a thousand dollars after college selling two horror screenplays. Um, they never got made and, but they paid you me. You got the money, who cares? Like I you got the money. No. I know, and I could say, I could say that I was a professional screenwriter. Yeah. So, 
they they never got made I don't think they were very good and so but that was that was really my but I did get professional feedback on them um so in terms of writing fiction and plotting it like that it's all, all my training really comes from from screenwriting I've had several people that came out of screenwriting who have written books and all of them have said like the greatest um sort of explanation or the greatest learning that they've done in terms of how you plot a thing together is either working on a TV show or working on a movie because they can tell you like, look, if, if it's a procedural at minute six, this yeah. needs to happen. And yeah. like, that's what happens in your book. You just then have to make that invisible. And if you're good, you can do that. But the, you learn what the plot points are. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you learn you need to have, and what's great about what's great about learning from screenwriting is that you can't have a lot of exposition. Like the inciting incident takes place like 10 minutes into a movie. Right. That's all you get. And so I, you know, and I think kind of subconsciously I structure things like that. And I've been told that, especially with working stiffs, I haven't heard a lot of feedback yet on outrage because it's so it's barely right. been out there, but working stiffs always felt very cinematic, which and like it could be made into a movie. So I think my mind kind of like just just thinks of it like that because that was really my training. I yeah. don't have, yeah, don't have like literary, you know, training in in um, actually like writing literary novels or anything. Yeah, it's, it is interesting because uh, Stephanie's story, who I've, I had on the program, um, was a producer, and she she said what you just said, which is because it's a 10-minute mark, this is when it needs to happen, and then it's sort of storyboarded out, mm-hmm. it, it makes the writing be visual because that's the way the plotting of the thing happens, right? Mm-hmm. I remember I, I wrote a, a short film, and like the director got it, he's like, this is great, and like, I don't need the first seven pages. That's the establishing shot. And I was like, I can't be here. Yeah. <laughs> like, I don't think that way, but that was like sort of like early, like, oh shit. Okay. Like, yeah. that's sort of how you do it. Um, and I think it's also helpful. Like the way that all of it informs each other, like journalism has helped me too. Journalism teaches you brevity and, um, you know, and just, and, and really, you know, tell, telling what the important parts are. And so I don't, I don't have very flowery writing or anything like that because also like that's that's what my training has been in which yeah. I think is extremely helpful and like I came out of the magazine world and so mm-hmm. for us it was like it was less about brevity it was more about scene writing and like mm-hmm. everything has to build a scene and then there's sort of why it matters exposition in between those transferring mm-hmm. through and so that to me that's why I don't think I can do fiction because I always have these moments where like okay, so you, that thing just happened. Here's why. And people are like, I don't need that in my fiction. And I'm like, yeah. what you do? <laughs> how else do you know what I mean? And they're like, that's not how any of this works at all. One really interesting thing that I always think about that I, it, I retained it from, from that screenwriting class in college, which was 2004, um, is that in a movie, like writing a really good movie, is that every scene should end in a different place from where it begins. So even if it's just like a, like some sort of transformation with a character from a more like, you know, quiet character driven piece or something like action, like a movie, like each scene should do that. So I really try to do that. And to this date, there is only one movie that I've ever seen to ever like actually accomplish that. And it's a Rob Zombie movie. Like that's, that's it. Like I have never seen it. I remember watching the devil's rejects and thinking, oh my God, like he did that. He, changed, he did every single scene ended. Every single scene was unexpected. It was like a different story within each. And so I kind of try to do that too with writing because the one thing that drives me crazy is seeing a chapter that didn't go anywhere. 
and and I that's like that for me I think it's pretty common in in some types of fiction but and most people don't notice because it's a like great prose or something but for me coming from screenwriting and having retained that piece of information above everything else it's yeah. like oh this drives me crazy and I won't do that yeah do, do you um do you like note card stuff out like how, when you plot it out I did. I made what my brother refers to as a psycho board. Yeah. Um, my brother's a train. My brother has far more screenwriting training than than I do, and he's got like he has all these these systems in place for for planning and and everything. And and I tried that with outrage, which would have been the perfect place to do something like that because it is it's it's a mystery really. I mean, it's horror, but it's also a mystery. It's plot driven or like, and it's it's. Um, it's got all these events that happen because I have, I've done made a whole future world. Yeah. So I did plot it and I had dates. And the fact that I started it in 2013 and didn't finish till the beginning of 2020, <laughs> I had to change all the dates. So like, if I was going to do this, like I had the board yeah. and I just didn't stick to it at all. Like, <laughs> so really? yeah, I really should have, but I don't know for me, the notes app and sending emails to myself is just, I just, I can't, yeah, that's how I started, and apparently that's what's gonna happen. I mean, it's it's the same as finding voice, right? Like I I always find, I find that sort of question like literarily ridiculous because everybody sort of finds their way through. I have tried to like when I write essays, like I'm doing a book right now of essays, and I'll like note card like here's the beats, and I'm like that's not how I fucking tell a story. Yeah, like. Yep. <laughs> I'm a hillbilly. Like I grew up outside around campfires where you just kind of grab a beer and stand up, and you're like, all right. Here's what happened, right? Like it was June 23rd, you know? And it's like, if I try to note card it, it immediately sounds like I am, I try to be something that I'm not. Like, yeah. And I read it and I'm like, well, this is bored me. Yeah. You know, like if I'm not interested, nobody's going to be interested no. in this. Yeah. I feel like it's just more important to do whatever, like not, not sticking to some, someone else's process because it's worked for them. It's working, whatever works for you is what's going to work, is what's going to continue to work best for you. So last thing. Yeah. Uh, do you just do books or do you like do short stories in between? Like how does, what, what does the writing life look like for you? So I've been like the least prolific writer. Um, <laughs> I, <laughs> I, I start these projects like back in like, um, like 2012 when, when my first book came out, um, I started, I blogged, I blogged about, uh, about like the Pittsburgh film scene. So I was doing a lot of that, which is, you know, more, more journalism type of stuff. I've written for like, um, uh, like punk rock web zines and stuff like that in the past, like just, you know, fun stuff, un unpaid, you know. Um, but I have, and, and I am, I'm a writer like by profession. So I write, I write all day. Um, it's, it's marketing advertising, which I love because it's, it's, you know, probably the most creative way of like, it's, it's extremely creative. It's a lot of fun. Um, but I am trying, I actually started a short story last night. Um, so I am, I'm going to start, there, there's just much more opportunities for that now. Yeah. Like it's just so yeah. much easier. Like there's, there's places, there's all these indie horror presses that are always looking for submissions. So I think now that I actually could think like, oh, I don't have to start my own blog to get this, to, to put stuff out there. I've been, I've been writing articles, submitting them to um, other people's. I, you know, met yeah. some cool people on the online horror community. So I, I am going to start doing, doing more stuff like that. And then I am working on, um, I have a couple new books that I'm working on as well. Have you read a book? There's a book called Write, uh, Publish, Repeat. 
I've heard of it. It is so it's these two lawyers who quit their jobs and just started writing and they put out books every month. Um, and it's the story of how they became sort of professional storytellers. Um, and part of what they did was like, they'll write like the first, they'll do the book as a series. So like once a month, the new chapter will come out, but to figure out which book they're going to do, they'll write like six first chapters of six different books and whichever one sells the most is the one they do. And they're like, oh. so like they ended up doing some book about like a cowboy that rode like a unicorn. Like it's just completely bizarre. And they're like, this is not shit we'd ever done, but people love this series. And we've sold, you know, hundreds of thousands of copies of this. So like, yeah, we're going to write that story. Yeah. Um, and it's, it was, yeah, it's one of the most inspiring things, like as someone that came out of the professional world, but also sort of loves this genre, small indie thing that you can do now with technology. Mm -hmm pick up that book. I suspect yeah. you're like, holy shit, this is what I want to do. Yeah, right, publish, repeat. I will find yeah. that. That sounds awesome. Yeah, and it's now like they just have this shop. It's just the two of them like yeah. cranking stories out. And their wives, were they, they in the book, they were like, yeah, our wives kind of thought we were crazy because we oh. were making six figures as lawyers. And we're like, you know what we want to do? <laughs> Write weird fiction, you know? And they're like, okay, uh, we love you. Um, <laughs> Maybe I've made a terrible mistake in this marriage. <laughs> <laughs> so the book is called Outrage Level 10. Mm -hmm. The book is out now. Amazon is it where is uh, it at? Yeah, Amazon is the best place to, to get it right now. You'll 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 get it the fastest if you order it on Amazon. It's out in uh, trade paperback and ebook on there. That's awesome. Well, uh, it's been lovely talking to you, and I'm sorry that it took three years to get you on the program. Although <laughs> this, the book just came out, so I guess this much, makes sense. Much better than uh, whatever I was doing three years ago. <laughs> <laughs> well, have a good day, and uh, I will see you at the gym. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> well, that was Lucy Leitner, whose book Outrage Level 10 is out now. Thank you for joining us on our first video podcast at the Downtown Riders Jam. Before we get out of here, I always ask you to do two things. If you like what you heard or saw today, please leave us a review wherever you listen to podcasts. Tell your friends about us as well. While you're at it, don't forget to check out the other programs on the Solid Listen Podcast Network, including the flagship Mother May I Sleep With podcast with host and our Solid Listen Podcast queen, Molly MacLear. Don't forget the Jam podcast is now out every Wednesday. So get yourself subscribed wherever you listen to podcasts. And remember, you can always catch us on Twitter and Instagram at The Writer's Jam. Until the next time, I will see you around the internet. Attention, fans of fairy tales that are magical, hilarious, and grim. The award-winning Pinna original podcast, Grim, Grimmer, Grimmest, has new episodes out now. While you've probably heard of the Brothers Grimm, you've never heard these tales told in quite this way. I'm Adam Gidwitz, best-selling and Newbery Honor author of Books for Children, and in Grim, Grimmer, Grimmest, I share the real weird, grim fairy tales with real, weird, hilarious kids. In each episode, you not only get to hear a story, but you also get to enjoy this group guessing what'll happen next, cracking jokes, and sharing their own perspectives on the tales. Also, heckling me. 
they love to heckle me. The episodes are rated on a scale from grim to grimmer to grimmest, so there's always a great variety of tales to explore with your family. You can listen to Grim, Grimmer, Grimmest now wherever you get your podcasts. And be sure to follow the show so you don't miss new episodes. 